This week's podcast is sponsored by His Glorious Draconic Majesty Cordis, the Almighty, the Ever-Living Flame, Destroyer of Life, Scourge of the Northern Reaches and the Southern Reaches and the Reaches in Between, Burner of the Unburnt and Killer of Bunnies. Did, did I read that right? All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Golden Rollers. Russ, as ever, I am absolutely delighted to be here. Hey, Wait. Peter, we've got an extra special guest. An extra special guest. An extra How special you? guest. I'm not sure really? I'd call me extra special. Why? <laughs> Just a oh, guest, then. Yeah, all just, our guests are special, each in their own special way. Some guy, some guy, <laughs> just a guy. Popped up on, has popped up on the Zoom, so we figured we'd uh, talk to him. I guessed yeah. the random code, so here I am. Yeah. Hey! So, uh, for those of you who don't recognise that voice, that is Jason Bullman, who uh, works over at Paizo. He's the creator of the Pathfinder RPG. Yeah, I'm the, and, uh, and these days I'm the director of game design. Yes. It's a very lofty Ooh. title. <laughs> it is. It's an awesome title. Yeah. So I am I am the uh, emperor of game design in my own company. Well, that, uh, so I, I, I bow down to you, uh, my liege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll be talking to Jason about Pathfinder and all things Maul. And I bet you're wondering Ooh. what Maul is. Well, you'll find out very, very soon exactly what Maul is. I think we've yeah. actually mentioned it on the podcast before, so... Uh, Make it a listeners will know. Peter yes. doesn't know because he always no. forgets what we talk about five minutes after. People we say things. It goes in there. It goes out No right. object it's permanence. He's just it, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who said that? What? Where? <laughs> I'm Jason Bowman. I'm. Dirt. Oh, forget it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Right. Shall we start with the RPG news? And I think since we have Jason here, we could start with the Paizo RPG news. Oh, that would make a fresh change of pace. So what's yeah. the what's the big news coming coming out of Seattle this week, Jason? I think the big Ooh. thing for us this week, all of our attention is focused on the release of the uh, second edition Pathfinder Beginners Box, mm. which dropped uh, to everybody just this week. Uh, arrived in stores. Uh, for us, this this was kind of a critical component of the mm. kind of Pathfinder launch. We've been in kind of the the launch window for the game for kind of the first two years, getting out all the kind of key components yeah. to kind of fully round yeah. out the game. And this is kind of the capstone. It's the trickiest part to make. And, mm. uh, and I'm, I'm happy to finally get it out. It was mm. such well, a pivotal part of Pathfinder first edition. Success. Well, I remember the first yeah. edition box yeah. set. And, uh, I think as starter sets go, you guys, you go all out, don't you? You, you you pack that box for the staff. You've got tokens, I like the cardboard miniatures, and yeah. all sorts of things in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think as one of the few people left on staff who worked on both, uh, I think you know it's it's always been important to me to make a beginner box that was a complete game experience, and not yeah. just the kind of here sit down and play, but the complete hobby experience. Make your own mm. characters write your own adventures, you know, create your own stories. I feel that that is part of the hobby and yeah. to present mm. just kind of the, here's a play experience feels like I'm not giving you a full 
snapshot of what this hobby is and kind mm. of working to draw you into it. That's why I think yeah. it is really important to kind of give a complete experience, even if it is only mm. a few levels of play. It's enough mm -hmm. to kind of give you that full taste of yeah. what a role-playing yeah. game can offer. Yeah. And I think it kind of leans in a little bit into sort of Pathfinder's position as a slightly more in-depth mainstream fantasy RPG on the market. And with that, you get this beginner box, which has more in it, more, you know, more stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we aim for, right? Um, obviously, we share uh, some DNA with some other very, very popular role-playing games. Uh, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, obviously. And... You know, we kind of aim for the, you know, this is a more, I, I don't want to use the word advanced, but I, I guess it's probably the best word I can come up with. It, it is mm. a more robust game. It has mm. more options, more choices, more things you can do. And we try to do that in a way that kind of gives you uh, as little additional complexity at the table as possible. We want the table mm. experience to be nice and smooth and fun and even. And, and that's why... You know, with the with this new beginner box, we were actually really excited to put this one together because we kind of engineered the game to make this product easy. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have we didn't have to rewrite the rules of Pathfinder mm. like we did with the first edition beginner box. Yeah, it's the yeah. same game. We just truncated out the choices uh, and Ooh. made it a simpler kind of setup experience. But the gameplay yeah. itself is still roll initiative, take three actions. That's your turn. You know, roll mm. a d twenty, mm -hmm. add a number. Yeah, it's kind of. I I love. I mean, I'm, I'm sure many, many, many people have told you over the last two years, but I um, love the three action economy in Pathfinder Second Edition. I yeah, thank am you. Completely, uh, completely in love with that mechanic. It was one of those things that seemed really obvious to us at the time, but then it was just mm. like, hey, why, why didn't we think of this earlier? Um, and <laughs> and we, we, in fact, kind of did. Right, you know, the first iteration of the system was in Pathfinder Unchained. And, um, uh, but it, it was never fully naturalized into the system because it was kind of a bolt on after and yeah. everything kind of had to work around it. Uh, but with yeah. second edition, we were able to build from the ground up, making it an yeah. integral part of the game system. But it's kind of an action point system, isn't it? Cause I, I the first action point system that I remember um, was back gentlemen. in like the eighties with fast Star Trek. Sorry, Peter. I, I, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but we are in the new section. And rather than diving into the minutiae of Pathfinder, <laughs> well, yeah, which is really cool, <laughs> don't get me wrong, let's do it, but possibly we should cover some more of the news items first. Well, What's that? The, the new <laughs> section, you remember that game from 1980? <laughs> 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 ah, yes, 40-year-old yeah. games, yes. <laughs> all right. So, all right, we can stay on, we can stay on uh, Pathfinder for, uh, for, the, for the news for the moment, because the next item oh. of news is, of course, the errata and second printing. Ah. That came out, I believe, this week. Yeah, this second printing is the second week. edition of the. You know, uh, when when we when we scheduled this, uh, me being on the show, I didn't actually realize that this was going to be such a pivotal week. But here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we released the errata. We've been working on this actually for several months, mm. but we were waiting mm -hmm. for the second print of the core rulebook to drop. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with the when when the game initially dropped, we printed an awful lot of the first edition uh, of the mm -hmm. first printing of the second edition core rulebook, and yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know it takes a while to burn through all those and and get yourself to the point where a second printing is 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 worth it. So um, mm -hmm. you kind of save up the errata instead of trying to just constantly kind of tweak the game. Mm -hmm. And with the launch of the APG this summer, the mm -hmm. Advanced Players Guide, we knew that there were some things in the game we needed to fix. 
Um, mm. Most of it's pretty small stuff, though. Like, there isn't any large system ranging problems that this errata covers. It's mostly small things like altering the way bulk works to make it play a little better, giving alchemists Ooh. a bit of a tune-up uh, because their power level wasn't oh. quite where we wanted yeah. it to be. It's not huge system-wide changes. It's mostly small tweaks and adjustments. Mm. Just, um, just like minor tweaks from performance, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a tune-up uh, more than mm. it is like large numbers of changes. Definitely worth adding to your table, but mm. not something that the, you'll be like, this is an entirely different game. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's mostly small stuff. So, yeah, and you can find that by going to uh, Paizo.com. Uh, and mm. obviously, if you have the PDF, you should have gotten an email this mm. week saying, hey, come get the new version. Uh, mm. Because it's all been updated in there. And then, uh, obviously, the new uh, copies of the uh, core rulebook will have that in it. Cool. Hey, so you're not the only company to re- uh, release Errata this week. Oh. There's some D&D Errata. Have you seen this at all, Peter? Uh, D&D Errata. So there's been uh, a Sage Advice update with Errata for a couple of books. I uh. think uh, I think partly it's bringing it in line with their new approach to race sort of bringing a couple of older mm. books in line with that. Mm. Um, I haven't, I've got to admit, I haven't actually read it myself, so I can't go into it. Um, so it aligns, aligns the books with content from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which yeah. comes out this Same. month, this yeah. month in America, December here. Mm. Um, and it's got errata for the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide and Everyone Rising from the Last War. Mm. Okay. So I'm I'm assuming it's kind of like the the race approach stuff, but I haven't looked at it. Yeah, um, I'll probably get emails now from people who have looked at it, telling me exactly where I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's like the thing that's sparked too much comment on my on the Adventurers League um, thread that I'm responsible for running games for. So haven't had a chance to look at it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's anything massive. Could be wrong. We'll have to say it and say we'll just. We're all just waiting to see what's the next. Let's get back to the news because there's a little bit of news about the Terminator RPG. Mm, yes. So that was announced a couple of weeks ago by wow. Nightfall Games. Uh, so it's not a lot of news. It's just a little tiny bit of news. The details are really very slim on this at the moment. But Just, just a little are... wafer thin bit, come on. Yeah. So they okay. are using Nightfall's uh, newer S5S system as the uh, engine okay. power in the game. I've not mm. made this system, uh, but apparently it uses six D10s, uh, mm. one of which is a success die and five of which are skill dice. Okay. That is pretty much all I can tell you about that system. Um, potentially a uh, inheritor of the Slay system, but with some hefty tweaks, perhaps. I guess so. I mean, the uh. same company, so I guess yeah. so. Um, so we will find out more very soon, though, because in December... There will mm-hmm. be a downloadable quick start coming, complete with rules and a full Ooh. scenario players can use to test drive the system. Nice. Yeah, I'm quite. Yeah. I'm a Terminator fan. Even the rubbish Terminator films, I, I have to admit, I still watch them. Oh come on, Terminator Two wasn't that bad. Terminator Two was awesome. Terminator Two is a classic. Terminator Two was awesome. Are you so fan of the Terminator films? I'm super confused, Russ. Let's talk about everyone then, shall we? Should we talk about some actual new news as opposed to oh, some man. really, really, really old news? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hasn't yeah. Uh, so, Keith Baker dropped something lately? Yes, Keith Baker has dropped something. So he yeah. has dropped a new Eberron source book. It's a 26-page book, and Ooh. it's called Eberron Confidential. Yes. 
and it contains character secrets, which basically function as sort of adventure hooks and minor player abilities. Hmm. So it's a small yeah. book. Um, yes. uh, it's got 54 of these secrets, and you print them out, and you hand them out as player handouts, and there's oh, nice. tips for the, for the DM to integrate them into campaigns, and there's sort of rumours that sort of adds drama to party dynamics. Nice. Well, that, that's, that sounds like a... Nice little product for the Eberron fans out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think if it's if it's by Keith Baker and it's Eberron, it's going to do extremely well over on... It's over on the DM's Guild, I believe. Mm. And I think the stuff that he drops for Eberron tends to jump straight to the top of the charts for good reason. Yeah. yeah. You know there's got to be one where you're like some hard-boiled Sharn detective. <laughs> like, Almost certainly. Wearing a, wearing a big fedora. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 yes, we're, we're trying to play Eberron here. How could you not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's find some more news, shall we? More news? Uh, D&D Monopoly. It's not really RPG news. I wouldn't normally no. cover board games in this, but... So I'll do it really, really super quick. D&D Monopoly okay. is on the way. There we go. We've done it. Let's move on. We don't need to talk okay. about it. We all know what Monopoly is. We all know what D&D yeah. is. We all know exactly yeah. what that's going to be. D&D so. themed Monopoly. Very yes. exciting. Yeah. 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 Whenever thing- I think Dungeons and Dragons, I think unrestrained capitalism. So, you know, I think it's a natural <laughs> match. Perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I, 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 putting the Indian Monopoly in the same sentence just seems so natural. Should we, yeah. should we talk about Monty Cook Games very briefly? Oh, I suppose you could. Heroes of the Cypher System. Ah, Cypher System is doing superheroes. Uh, not just superheroes, actually. Superheroes mm-hmm. and non-superheroes. So it's a big Ooh. Kickstarter. Uh, they do two of these a year, two giant Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And they always make like half a million dollars on these. They've like mastered the art of Kickstarters. And by the way, Sean K. Reynolds um, from Monty Cook Games will be on the show in a couple of weeks as well, yeah. talking about this. So we don't have to go yeah. into it in too much detail because he's going to save him something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, big Kickstarter. It will undoubtedly do half a million dollars because they always do. Yeah. Uh, so, th- there's two books. Uh, one is called Claim the Sky, and this is Ooh. all about superheroes who can fly and have super strength and, you know, your typical super powered superheroes. Uh, the other is called First Responders, and this Ooh. is about human heroes, like emergency situations, like firefighters and mm-hmm. uh, people dealing with pandemics and natural disasters mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's not just superheroes, oh, okay. it's heroes in general, divided yeah, yeah. into two separate books. Oh, okay, that sounds, that sounds pretty interesting. Oh. And the best bit about this Kickstarter, though, which I like, is <laughs> that if you don't know how to play the cipher system, mm-hmm. and this is your first time, every single reward level gets a free mm-hmm. copy Mm. In PDF format, obviously, of mm. the Cipher System rulebook. So if you've already got the Cipher System, then fine. You just go ahead yeah. and back it. If you haven't got it, you get it for free. Strong. Hmm. I and like that. That's about a 400 page book as well. It's not small. Yeah. It's not small. Yeah. Mm. The folks over there are great, and it doesn't surprise me that they're doing another great Kickstarter, right? I mean, yeah. they mm. know their stuff. I've, I've said yeah. like a million times that um, if you want to look to a company that's really mastered the art of the Kickstarter, Monty Cook Games is probably it. I mean, there are others, um, you know. Yeah. Um, who are the, the miniatures ones? Uh, Reaper Miniatures. Reaper Miniatures. Yeah, they've completely mastered the platform, <laughs> completely. But Monty Cook Games has as well. And Monty Cook <laughs> Games is one of the sort of very early big Kickstarter successes as yeah, well. Sir. I'm thinking that was like the first one I saw going up to like half a million in the yeah, tabletop yeah. gaming sphere. And that was... Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Because I think I think of their first Numenera kit, so they pretty much built the company off of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kickstarter has been their entire kind of model. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They haven't left distribution behind, right? They still, you know, ship books out to game stores and stuff. But it's clear that they focus on Kickstarter as their prime distribution model. I I actually think there is a a reasonable argument that that's the path to the future. Um, I think so. I mean, I I firmly believe at the moment for a non-major publisher like Paizo or uh, Wizards of the Coast, for a mid-tier or a small publisher like myself... Kickstarter is, quite frankly, the best platform to sell your product on, by far. Mm-hmm. Like, by an order of magnitude, in fact. If I yeah. put something yeah. on drive through I might, you know, I might sell right. 70 copies. If I put something on Kickstarter, I'll, you know, I'll do 10 times that, 100 times that. So Yeah. yeah. Well, it flips the model on its head, right? It, it removes yeah. the long tail from everything and just says, you want all the money now? And the answer yeah. is almost always yes. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> I no, no, like no. That. I'll <laughs> take it three years from now. Thank you. I have to pay the artist now, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I'll wait. Yeah, clicks, yeah. delay, gratification. They don't really go together. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. Oh. Uh, yeah, apparently it's just approaching uh, $100,000, actually. Mm. Wow. Nice. Already. That, and it's that was just this just week, launched. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's, it's going to do half a million. I bet you. Could do. Hey, dice, 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 dice. I'm a fan of Ooh. dice. So, Steve Jackson Games, yes. on Indiegogo, not on Kickstarter, yeah. have put some weather dice up. So this is a universal Ooh. thing. You can use this in any game. And uh, they're different colours, and I think the different colours match different seasons. And then mm-hmm. each of the sides has a different weather. So, uh-huh. for example, the blue one, okay. um, which I assume is... I'm, I'm just looking at the picture here without actually reading yeah. any words. So I'm surmising from the picture, which is... <laughs> Which is the best way to do news. Only in-depth analysis on this podcast. <laughs> Everything's fact-checked. Look at the picture and then make yeah. up what you think is going on. Are these, are these D6s? These are D6s. Oh, these are yeah. D6s. Uh, here we go. All right, I'm, read- I'm going to read the words. Okay, so it's a set of six weather dice. Yes. Uh, restricted to the USA only. Oh, I was about to back that. Oh, oh well, oh I guess I am not. Uh, but they're coded. Each colour is a different climate, not a different season. That was okay. close. That was close. Uh, so we've got a black one, which is mostly sunny or windy. A dark blue, which is sort of cold and no sun. A red one, mm-hmm. which is hot. You mm-hmm. know, it's... Yeah. And so Climates. on. Yeah. So looking at the picture, you look at the blue one. On one side, it's got a snowflake. On one side, it's got rain. On one side, mm-hmm. it's got like a lightning strike. Mm-hmm. So I guess you just sort of roll, roll. depending on the climate, you roll the D6 each day and just tell the players what the weather's like today. Yeah. I like that. I and would back that if I could, and I'm not allowed to. Uh, is that hard, man? That is sad. I am yeah. actually sad. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, let's find some more news. Let's certainly find some news that makes me happy, not some news that makes um, me sad. We don't I've like news that makes me sad. I've seen some news that makes me quite happy. Go on. Uh, there is a game called Ultraviolet Grasslands, mm-hmm. which is a game all about exploration. It is done by a uh, very small publisher, and you know what? Uh, the name has gone. The name of the author has gone completely out of my head. Uh, but what it is all about? It's about exploring, uh, essentially, a giant step or steppy, if you will. I'm not sure how to say. It. How do you say that? Is it step or steppy? I think it's step. Yeah, step. Yeah. That is a word I've never heard said aloud. I've seen it written in every single RP fantasy RPG book I've ever, ever read. 
But yeah. I've never heard anyone say that word aloud. It is step, isn't it? Well, I, d- I don't know. That's I, I believe sure so. I was asking yeah. just now. Yeah. I but think anyway, it's yeah, just I, step. It's yeah. yeah. Like a, a, a very large grassland sea uh, by Luca Vejek, as uh, Google has kindly revealed to me. Uh, very rules like almost a sort of a system neutral sort of thing, which details how you'd go about running a game, which is about leading a caravan across such a thing. And yeah, like the potential in it just makes you very excited. Hmm. Also a little bit sad because like I'm super excited by this idea. Finding the people who are super excited by it much harder. Finding someone super excited to go run it for me. Oh, it is uh, the the it is of note that the uh, the designer is also the artist and it has a very very kind of mm. um, uh, monochromatic yeah. uh, like old four color comic print art mm. style. It's it's rather interesting. I uh, I uh, I get my news of all these uh, smaller indie games from a site called Exalted Funeral that sells them. Yes, um, yes. I, I love Exalted Funeral. I think I have a box mm. from them in my living room right now filled with yeah, filled yeah. with smaller indie press games. Yes. I haven't picked this one up yet, but I've been thinking about it. Sounds like one that I should pick up for inspiration at the very least. Well, the excellent news is there's a free PDF on DriveThru RPG. Ooh, I don't so even have to pay for it. Well, that news has made me happy. That's cheer me up. Hey. Yeah, from the from the lows of the weather dice, I'm up to the heights of getting a free PDF from Drive Through RPG. Yes, also about Grasslands by Luke Rodrick. As I say, I've had a peruse of it, seventy-eight pages, but I'm like, oh, this is this is this this looks like a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Right, Vampire the Masquerade. Oh yeah, yes. Bit of a change. So Renegade Game Studios has yeah, now taken over publishing of the World of Darkness stuff. Over from Modifius. So Modifius took it over. I think it was. I feel like it was really recent, but I think it was probably actually about two years ago. Yeah, yeah, about that. Like, yeah. yeah, it really feels sure. like we were talking about it last month or like two months no, ago. But it, it was, last, it was, it was a while back. Yeah, okay. Yeah, after the diplomatic incident that they caused, uh, which is not generally what you want from your games. Can no, no. <laughs> Renegade Game Studios. So they they make uh, kids on bikes. Yes, which is, um, which is you know that sort of eighties era kind of yes, um, yeah. RPG. Uh, they uh, recently announced it was like it was only like two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, very recent. Power Rangers, yes. definitely coming next year. But they yes. also announced they sort of hinted in the same press release at yes. Transformers, GI yes. Joe, and My yeah. Little Pony. Right. Yes. So, so not only are they doing that for Hasbro, they are yes. now also taking over World of Darkness for Paradox, who currently own it. I I have to say. That, like, if we were doing an episode of Sesame Street, this would be the section where one of these things is not like the other. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, just, just speaking totally. Right, so the arrangement is that uh, Renegade are publishing them, however, they are being yes. produced in house by Paradox. Huh. So, Renegade isn't writing the things. The real important question is are they all using the same system? And mm. can I have my vampires attack? Uh, my Power Rangers. <laughs> the answer, uh, the answer uh, to your question is I think no. the question is, can, can your pony princess have celerity? And that, if not, why not? That, no. So that the, is uh, important. So <laughs> the Power Rangers, Transformers, all that is being powered by the 5e system, D&D 5e system. Because it's a Hasbro property. I assume they probably insisted on that. Okay. Uh, the vampire stuff is using the current Vampire Masquerade 5th edition system. So they're carrying right. on with that edition. 
Uh, in December, next month, well, that's good. there's a free yeah. companion coming out. It's called Vampire the Masquerade Companion Book. Mm-hmm. It's a free book, uh, mm-hmm. and it includes errata to um, Vampire 5th Edition. Mm-hmm. It includes three vampire clans. The Here's Russ trying to say words. The oh. Tzimiske... Is that Smeech. Smeech, right? Smeech. I don't know. It's the first time I've ever seen that word. I don't I'm I'm this is this is me once again calling back to twenty year old playing Vampire the Masquerade. I, I thought it was Smeech. I believe but you. I might be wrong on that. No, I believe if you say that if you say if you say that's oh. it. Do not take my pronunciation as a guy. <laughs> uh, Ravnos. I'm sure I'm, leading the blind here. I'm sure yeah. I'm right with Ravnos. Yeah. Uh-huh, How can yeah. I possibly go wrong with that? Ravnos, I don't know. And Salubri. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, those are all in the middle of the head. Uh, yeah. There were also rules for playing ghouls and mortals. No yes. oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, discipline yeah. powers for each of the new clans mm-hmm. and new merits for player characters. And this is coming free next Ooh. month. Exciting. One yeah. of my favorite tricks to do with that system is have all the players start off as humans and not really tell them what game system they're playing and then kill them <laughs> in the first session and turn them into vampires. So, <laughs> um, so, so you, you tricked them into thinking, thinking they're playing Pathfinder. Yeah, mm. well... I, <laughs> not Pathfinder, obviously, because they're not running a D20, which is yeah, a big yeah, good but, but, but some unknown yeah. dice pool system, you know, file off the yeah. serial numbers. Yeah. yeah. We're going to play a modern game, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds fair. Hey, I have two pieces of news. Two self-serving pieces of news. Ah, One shocking. is... I How very dare you advertise your products are awful, isn't it? You I feel monster! <laughs> so I launched the fourth now of my mini quick starters Ooh. over on Kickstarter this week. This is number okay. four. Yes. Each, each of these lasts only a week or two. Uh, and each of them is a short, soft cover book, sort of 20, maybe 30 pages is it only a week long or two weeks? Oh, this one is two weeks long. The last okay, one, so the Halloween one, was ten say, days. Yeah, you haven't missed it this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this one is called the Advanced Rules at Miscellany. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, it's a lovely, lovely title. I like it very much. Yeah, yeah. It's, great, great rules, that's all. Yeah, it's doing very well. I really, really yeah. like how these mini quick starters are going because they're tiny little yeah. things. They're never going to do a hundred thousand or anything because yeah. the, the reward levels just aren't there, and the yeah. you know there aren't there aren't any sort of sixty dollar reward levels or anything, and there aren't, and it's only going on for two weeks. The Kickstarter's doing very well. It's yeah. still over six thousand pounds after a couple of days, which I'm very yeah, very nice. happy with. Nice, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, so this is a twenty seven. Things can you get? It's like so, rules for archery contests. Yeah. Extra chase rules and yeah. stuff. So it's a 27 yeah. page soft cover book. It contains rules yeah. for archery contests, mm-hmm. uh, random battlefield events, mm-hmm. which basically is at the start of every round, you roll a d20. If you get yeah. a 20, you then roll on a d20 chart of random battlefield events. Mm-hmm. And each event is just got a little paragraph telling you what happens. It's yeah. all, you know, simple stuff. Rules for herbalism, uh, yeah. some new chase rules and uh, yes. some new hirelings to help you on your adventures fantastic mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah very very pleased with it uh, the yeah. other bit of news of course is level up the source oh. I dropped about three hours hey. ago the yes. playtest document I know you've done a lot of playtests in your in your time for Pathfinder um, Jason so you know what it's like to be on the uh, launching a playtest end of the of the process 
Yeah, it involves a lot of staring at message boards, watching people read four sentences and then complain about something they don't yet understand. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, yes. I, I love our playtesters, though. I really do. Yeah. Uh, they, well, yeah. I'm always entertained by the folks who have something to say like 10 minutes after the PDF drops. Yeah. It's like, you, you couldn't have, have read more than a page. I don't certain, know. What. And you certainly haven't playtested it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. And they're like, in my experience with this class, and I'm like, what? What did you do? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that dropped this morning. The survey yes. will go out on Monday. Yes, for the sorcerer. So we've got the sorcerer, the druid, the rogue, and the fighter. And to me, that sounds like a party. Yeah. I've been looking at the playtest data for the uh, Inspiration and Destiny playtest that went out two weeks ago. And that is by far our highest scoring. Like, isn't yeah. a single thing that got below seven on that. It's really, really highly rated, that one. People really yes. like it. I like it too. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's probably my favourite one as well. Yeah. Right. That was my news. There we go. It's my little bit yeah. of selfish news. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to look quickly at Daryl's column, see if there's anything I've missed. Oh, Paizo. Paizo has begun a new series of articles called No Prep Characters. Fully statted Ooh. NPCs with a complete backstory ready to drop into your games. Oh, I missed this one. Let's have a look. Oh, can you talk a bit about this, Jason? I can yeah. talk a little bit about it. I uh, I remember us talking about it and being like, that's a thing we should do. And then it <laughs> happened and I wasn't involved. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm looking at no. the first one now. It's... Uh, uh, Small town bookseller called Morleybint. Morleybint. Part of the idea behind these is to start including kind of more useful, like things that uh, later on down the road, you as a game master, you're going to want to bookmark our blog to be like, I know mm. there's a bunch of interesting NPCs and useful mm. stuff in there other mm. than just here's a press release about our upcoming product, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's about kind of making the blog have some, some, useful tools for game masters mm. and this is kind of a first step of being like here's interesting npcs you can play with yeah yeah because obviously you could use this small town bookseller and just t change the name or whatever and plug it into any any home game of your of your of, that you like oh, that's a great idea hmm. yeah, that sounds pretty cool okay yeah. and that will drive games masters to be checking the pilot blog more regularly uh, Which then lets us let them know when we're about to drop something cool or, you know. But mm. I, I, not to be, like, cynical in marketing about it, I, I, I think it really is, a, is just a good chance for us as the staff to kind of have some creative fun that isn't on a giant deadline. <laughs> that yeah, is, yeah. That is yeah. part of a giant book that's just like, write us a fun NPC from your game or mm. from your own mm. head or whatever, right? Um, yeah. And kind of give our, our staff a chance to kind of flex their muscles. So I think the first one was written by Ron, if I recall correctly, mm -hmm. um, who, uh, who spends a great deal of his time writing uh, or working on our adventure paths. Yeah. Ah. So he does get a chance to work with NPCs, but they're oftentimes NPCs written by other people. So this yeah, is a chance yeah. for him to give us one of his own. Hmm. I think it's written by Ron. If it's not, I'll feel dumb. If it's not, sorry, Ron. <laughs> no. Anyway, so, right. Last, sorry, two, last, two, yeah. last two very, very quick bits of news. Very, very quick. Uh, first, There's even more. Uh, yeah, outrageous. very quick, though. So uh, the uh, Gamma Expo in March has been cancelled. Uh, this probably mm. won't be relevant to most of our listeners because it's an industry trade show rather than a sort of public one. But um, oh, this, incredibly this is, relevant to most of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is going to yeah. be, you know, pandemic related 
Um, yeah. It's in March. I imagine just sort of planning a convention what's four months away when we're still clearly mm. right in the middle of the pandemic is not yeah. ideal. Yeah. yeah, so that's been cancelled. Yes. And also, Wizards of the Coast is auctioning off some stuff for charity. Mm-hmm. And these are galley proofs of uh, the covers, both the regular and alternate covers, of mm-hmm. Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, and Explorer's Guide to Wildermount. Huh. Or Wildermount. Is it Wildermount or Wildermount? Wildermount, isn't it? Wildermount. One of those two things. Yeah. Uh, have you, do, you, do you know Jason? I mean, you came through for us on Jeeps, so. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, yeah, no. uh, uh, I did, I did find out that that blog was written by Ron. My recollection was correct. You were correct. And, and, and the other thing about that, though, is that yeah. that NPC is also from Otari, which is the hmm. town from the beginner box. Mm. Ah, nice. So it's yeah. like a supplement that you can slip into the beginner box if yeah. you like. Yeah, we, we oh. try to do a lot of stuff to kind of tie into it. Like, there's a yeah. there's a soundscape for uh, Sirenscape uh, for it. Yeah. For the beginner mm-hmm. box uh, that came out Ooh. at the same time that, you know, we, we try to do tie-ins. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, the charity thing, um, very quickly. Uh, so oh, yeah. bidding at the time of writing, they're sort of going for like $150 to $400, and the proceeds are going to the charity Extra Life, and the auction ends on Tuesday, November the 7th. 17th, not 7th, 17th. And that, I think, is the news for this week. Hey, the latest Barrows and Barrows sourcebook is in. Oh, good. It's been a few months since the last book. I'm content hungry, if you know what I mean. Well, you'll love this one. It's Wensleydale's Guide to Cheeses. Uh, are you sure? Of course I am. Look, it says so right on the cover. No, no. I mean, are you sure that's a Barrows and Barrels source book? Of course I am. I found it at the not-so-friendly or indeed particularly local game store. Huh. They really should come up with an acronym or something for that. Anyway, this book contains 196 pages describing all the various cheeses you can find in the very well-remembered realms. You're kidding, right? No. What makes you ask that? Look, right, I don't mean to sound negative or anything. What bleeding use is a book of cheeses in a B&B campaign? I can think of a dozen uses for cheese right off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Go on, then. A dozen uses for cheeses. Well, you can eat it in a sandwich or on its own. That's just one. You don't get to list a dozen variations on eating cheese. You could uh, make a bridge out of it. Make a bridge out of it? Have you completely lost your mind? You could bribe the big bad evil guy with it. What if he's lactose intolerant? Did you think about that? Well, then I suppose you could threaten him with it instead. Look, I know that traditionally, source books become more and more specialised as time goes on, until eventually the publisher has no choice but to relaunch for a new edition of the game. But this, this is quite frankly ridiculous. Hey, it has player-facing options too. Oh, yeah? Well, there's the Cheesemonger class. Gives you complete mastery over all forms of cheese. Does it now? And the Cheese Master feat, which allows you to specialise in a particular type of cheese. I see, Cheese Master. Right. Equipment, too. There's weapons, like the Holy Cheese Grater. And there's shields, like the Shield Board of Protection Plus Four. Ah, of course. It's also obvious now you mention that. And let's not forget the monsters. The Gelatinous Cheese, 
the vampiric cheese and the mimic disguised as a lovely block of cheese. Hmm. Uh, I suppose you're going to tell me there's a cheese-based adventure in there too. <laughs> of course. It's set on the elemental plane of cheese and the heroes are tasked to infiltrate the cheese lord's dark refrigerator. <laughs> mate, I don't know about you, but this is by far the most ridiculous sketch we've ever performed. I couldn't help it. I was on a deadline. I mean, it's even worse than the one where we had a cat playing D&D. Hey, I like that sketch. Look, it's clearly a failed attempt to mix the surreal absurdism of Monty Python with well-known tropes about the game publishing industry. It's not clever. It's definitely not funny. I can't argue with that. Ah, fine. Let's go and get a pint instead. All right. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool. Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top-secret, super-exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Uh, so we've got two things we could talk about. Shall we do Maul first or shall we do mm. Pathfinder first? Which would you like to start with, Jason? Nice. Um, I think I think whatever works for you guys. Well, let's start, yeah. let's, let's start with Maul and then talk about Pathfinder. So Maul is, of course, what? your battle arena style Pathfinder combat mashup thing that you're doing yeah. on Twitch. How, how, would you, how would you describe that? Well, uh, it, Maul stands for Monster Arena Ultimate League, mm. uh, which is just a convenient <laughs> acronym that fits all those letters. Did you, uh, did, did you uh, acronym it, or did you? Nice. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. We started with the word Maul yeah. and worked out the name from there. Uh, That's legit, man. That's legit. Complete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Maul is... Maul is um, a uh, delightful little monster fighting tournament that was dreamed up by me and my good buddy Dan Tharp. Dan uh, used to work with us at uh, Paizo, Mm -hmm. um, but now works for Sirenscape, and him and I are good friends. And Mm -hmm. uh, we decided, you know, I I was thinking when when the pandemic started that, you know, there wouldn't be a lot of sports for folks to really enjoy Mm -hmm. because a lot of the the sports can't play and you can't go see them in person. And... um, I thought, you know, hey, why, why don't we put together a show that is just monsters fighting each other, mm. and the two of us can both pilot the teams and act as color commentary. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically just an excuse for us to sit around on Roll20 and bash monsters uh, against each other and laugh at the nice. results and, and try and see which one comes out on top. <laughs> Ooh, nice. So it's, yeah, it's a simple bracketed tournament, right? We we did kind of a preseason. We called it the preseason, which is just us figuring out how to do it and make sure that we were doing it right. 
mm. the first thing we did was dream up eight teams. So we we've got our eight teams, and uh, we've uh, we've gotten an artist to do logos for all of them. Mm. Uh, nice. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot of fun. We're having a good time with it. The teams are all built using the Pathfinder uh, 2e encounter building rules. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, they're all 160 XP worth of monsters right. as balanced against a first level party. Yeah. So hypothetically. Mm. They should be balanced teams. In reality, mm-hmm. they're they're not. the 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 yeah. the the more the the teams that are made up of one or two larger, more powerful monsters mm-hmm. have been proving pretty victorious. Mm-hmm. So I'm, but so, that's kind of the difference of monsters fighting each other versus monsters against. So I'm looking players. at these teams at the moment. So we've got so we've mm-hmm. got the firestormers. Yeah, mm-hmm. group of goblins. Uh, we've got the killer kobolds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sorry, team kobold. <laughs> yeah, the bone breakers. Yeah, that's a, that's a band of, of skeletons. Yeah. All skeletons. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the ogre brothers. I think we can all guess what that is. There's a pair <laughs> of ogres. Yeah, the bramble brawlers. Mm. They are that's they are a reading. team entirely of leshy. Ooh. Uh, little plant, plant people. people. Yeah. 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 Mm. We have the bull man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see what I did there. Just, just an excuse to get a logo that I could, you know, get on a. Oh my a, god! Yeah, I've just got the name of your little publishing company. <laughs> All this it, time, it takes people years to figure it out. But yeah, I'm an idiot. No, that's I'm an Minotaur idiot. Games is I am, run by I Jason Bullman. How I didn't get that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's just one. Of, that's just one of those moments. That's just. Ooh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> it's not often you get to see a pun lamp like that. Lamp yeah, yeah lot, no, it, so. it, 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 sometimes right? it takes years. I, yeah. I, I ended up uh, having to camp out to get the domain name for quite some time. Somebody else had it, and I ended up sending them an email being like, come on, you got to sell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> were they were they using it for anything? Not really. They had, they, had, they had grabbed it for a project, but then it, it sat and didn't do anything for several mm. years. So eventually I was yeah. like, hey, I'll pay you 100 bucks. Give me that domain. And they were like, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the last two are the Doom Dwarves and the Poison Shadows. So that's your eight teams there. Yeah, the, the Doom Dwarves are a group of Durgar, and the Poison Shadow are a uh, group of Drow. And uh, so, you know, we, we kind of set up a bracketed uh, structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time this podcast drops, we will probably have played the quarterfinal rounds. Um, so mm-hmm. that's the, the first round of matches. And it's single elimination, so if you lost, you're you're done for the season. But uh, you know, as of as of this airing, I don't want to give anyone any spoilers. But yeah. uh, I think we will have probably played four of the games. It's possible this might drop before the fourth one uh, has aired live. We 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 play them live on Twitch, and then they go up on YouTube uh, the following Monday. So they're live on Saturday, and then they they go. Up and, on if, Twitch and if people do want Monday. to watch them live, where and when? Mm-hmm. So if you watch it live, it's a twitch.tv backslash Jason Bullman, J-A-S-O-N-B-U-L-M-A-H-N. And the same for YouTube, youtube.com backslash Jason Bullman. So yeah, uh, we we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, there's, there's like, it's not just about the, the narrative. We have fake sponsors too. Mm. And (laughs) there, there is ongoing controversy with the teams. Like there's rumors that the, the commissioner's imps recently reported that the Bramble Brawlers were spotted using growth elixirs. Um, <sighs> this is a serious concern for everyone else in the mall tournament. Um, and like, so Sorry. during the preseason, one of the yeah. teams had too many points. So that created a big scandal. <laughs> mm. 
So who's still in? So if this is, yeah, you'll have had four rounds by now. Yeah. Who's gone? So, Who's dead? Who's left? So spoilers here. So uh, um, yeah, sk- skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. But yeah. in the first three matches that we have played so far, the first one was between the uh, Killer Kobolds and the Goblin Firestormers. And the crowd favorite was the Killer Kobolds on that, but they just did not perform in the arena. Uh, oh. During that match, the uh, Goblins got a number of critical hits and were able to pull out the win. It was kind of a, an, an upset. Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the second match was perhaps even more shocking. And that was between oh. the bone breakers and the ogre brothers. Yeah, Many right. people had the ogre brothers picked to win it all. Um, yeah. but they went down hard to Ooh, the bone breakers, the bone breakers took there. them yeah, yeah. apart. Okay. Oh. Um, yeah, was there anything in particular about it or it, so the bone breakers have a skeletal giant, uh, on their team mm. named bone hoof. Uh, who charged mm. up right across the field and landed a crit on the second round of combat, uh, nearly taking one of the ogres entirely out of the fight. He went down a few mm. hits later. Wow. After that, it was just a downhill slope for the entire team. Mm. And then uh, in our third quarterfinal match, that was the Bramble Brawlers versus the Bullman. The Bramble Brawlers mm. came into the game with a great strategy, trying to uh, mm. lure the Bullman into um, a series of kind of well-constructed traps in that whenever mm-hmm. a Leshy dies, it explodes, creating an entire field of difficult terrain. This mm-hmm. makes it really hard for a Minotaur to move around the battlefield. So, mm-hmm. And they all have really good range attacks. So they just kind of mm-hmm. played a sacrifice game where they threw mm-hmm. sacrificial pawns at the Minotaur, trying to yeah. slow him down to the point where they could take him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they failed. Uh, <laughs> as it turns out, as it turns out, a minotaur moves a little bit too fast. So uh, listen, if, if the bullman wins the entire competition, everyone's going to scream "fix." You know that. Yeah. No. Well, I know. <laughs> I, I. But here's the thing: we play it on roll twenty, which has an automated dice spot. So mm. you know, we we're not we're not fixing anything. You so see the I dice rolls them. as they happen. Yeah. So this um, isn't pro wrestling here. This is actual real yeah. combat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, there's plenty of drama, right? Um, <laughs> You know, uh, the the match I can't tell you about is against the Doom Dwarves and the Poison Shadows because we haven't played it yet. Right, okay. So that one should be really interesting. Both of the teams were caught Mm. in the preseason with 20 too many XP worth of monsters on the field. Uh, So mm -hmm. both have had to make substitutions and suffer penalties. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it should be an interesting match. It's it's the rumble from down under, right? Uh, It's the two Darklands teams facing off against one another. So who's your guess? Who's your pick to win? If you had, if you had to put money down on one of them, who, oh, who God, would you Russ, go? That's an obvious, obvious answer. Well, right now I got to go with <laughs> the Bullman, just because. Uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, of the I mean, of the <laughs> of the five teams still in the running, um, I I honestly think it's either going to come down to him or the Bonebreakers. Mm. I think the Goblin Firestormers could provide an interesting spoiler to it. But mm. they have to get past the Bullman first in the semifinal right. round. Those two are now set to match up. Mm. Um, and they mm. really don't want to face the Bonebreakers in the final round. Right. Uh, mm. Because their fire and their weapons will be very ineffective against skeletons. Yeah. So yeah. they have to hope that like the Doom Dwarves make it to the semifinals mm. and take out mm. the Bonebreakers. But we'll see. Um, yeah. we, we asked a lot of our fans to fill out uh, brackets. At the start of the season, we released the bracket, and it was pretty funny. In the first two weeks, like eighty percent of the people went their brackets busted uh, just oh. when the when when the when the, yeah. the the first two games were done being played. A lot of people lost their brackets right away. A few yeah. favorites in there went down, and that that caused some chaos. Yeah. 
Mm. So what, what do the arenas themselves look like? Is it just the one arena? Have you got multiple arenas? Are they interactive mm. in any way? Or So the arenas are built in uh, Roll20 using primarily mm. uh, a tile set of my own design, my mm. own drawings. So uh, although I do, I, uh, funny enough, I do actually sell them. Although I don't sell the arena yet. I'm still working on a, a, on a full set for that. Mm. I do these maps called blue maps. Yes. And they're in kind yeah, of a, yeah. a classic... RPG style, so they're they're blue line maps, mm-hmm. and uh, I have various tile sets for that. So we've got a large arena, uh, and uh, it, it doesn't really change between matches, at least not right now. Um, I think in the future we do have the opportunity to change the entire arena, like into a dungeon or into whatever we want, um, yeah. because I do have the tiles to kind of make that happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we allow people watching on Twitch to buy their way into the stands mm-hmm. so they can pay some channel currency on Twitch and mm-hmm. uh, buy a seat in the stands for three games, yeah. uh, which then allows them to pick a monster token. And I put the token up in the stands with their name on it. <laughs> oh. So it's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, and yeah. folks can folks can sponsor the teams during the game and buy them like hero points and stuff. And yeah. we do polls during the live game for people cheering and give a morale bonus to whichever Ooh. team is winning. Mm, so, nice. you know, we, we have fun with it. We make sure it's interactive for folks watching. And, uh, uh, when you watch it live, we also take breaks between the rounds to just chat. And we have yeah. like commercial breaks where mm. like there's two, <laughs> there's two rival sponsors, uh, mm. for mall. There's big beard brews, um, yeah. which is a dwarven, uh, brewery. Um, mm. and they are competing against silver crescent wines. Um, <laughs> and the two of them are Ooh. constantly going back and forth about how they hate each other. So it's a yeah. lot of fun, right? Yeah, that sounds so is yeah. this one and done, or are you, are you planning a whole series of these? I would say that this is season one, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and over you know in the future there's so many opportunities to do kind of more fun things with this. Mm-hmm. Um, we could level up the teams. We could yeah. add new teams. I'd love, see, I'd love to see some dragons or or a yeah, twat versus I, a group of dragons or something. That could be I, fun. I think I think in the future we might also do exhibition games, which is like mm-hmm. one of the teams versus a monster or two monsters mm-hmm. against each other. There's so yeah. many kind of fun permutations that we could do with this. And, you know, eventually we'll get around to talking about who that mysterious commissioner is who's uh, (laughs) orchestrating this whole thing. (laughs) So you've got, what, two weeks left, three weeks left in this season? So once we finish up this match with the Doom Dwarves and the Poison Shadows, that'll wrap up the quarterfinals. Then there's Mm -hmm. two semifinal games. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to do a third-place finisher. So if you lose your semifinal game, we'll do the bout for third or fourth place. And then there's the final match for first place. So we actually have f- four weeks left. Yeah. Um, it should go into December. Right, okay. So uh, all the matches played between you and your co-presenter? Or- yeah, we, we try to um, be neutral hosts giving color commentary, but we're also playing the game. Yeah. Um, but but mm. ultimately, like we don't have teams that are ours. We just play whatever team is randomly assigned to us yeah. each week. I, I We just talk about it and figure out who wants to play what team. And, and if we can't decide, we just roll a die and it, yeah. it's, it's not about us winning. It's about mm. the teams. Sure. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Dan won almost all of the preseason, but I've won almost all of the regular season. Mm. So yeah, it's random. It's, <laughs> it's so do you think in the future, there's any chance that other people could get to play in the tournament while you sort of mastermind it? I actually thing? think I actually think there's a good chance that in the future we will uh, bring in additional hosts, yeah. uh, either to mm. join in the fun with Dan and I, or as mm-hmm. a replacement for Dan or I. 
we might also do an exhibition series where we just kind of serve as color and let other people play the teams or, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. I, again, this is kind of a fun show format. And for me, it's just a fun chance to sit around and I play Pathfinder it, yeah. with folks. I think it's a great idea. I think, has, has anyone done anything like that before? Um, I'm struggling to think. There were some people who were doing competitive D&D online. Uh, that was probably about two years ago. Oh, I remember that. I don't know what happened with that, actually. Um, and they had com- commentary. They might try to whack it behind the paywall. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I we we drew some inspiration from a couple sources. Every very frequently at PaizoCon, there's a there's a tournament held called Green Blood on Black Rock, and it's mm. a monster fighting game that happens at PaizoCon, and mm. that wasn't like that involves like a twenty people playing in a giant melee together, uh, and is is kind of ridiculous. So my my thought was monster fighting is fun, but I also mm. saw. There was this um, really big fad earlier this year on YouTube about people doing marble races. Like, yeah, races between marbles. Like, uh, and it's a big thing. Like, the the channel has millions of views. And uh, I was like, you know what? Kind of a sports tournament that you can do in isolation Mm. would be kind of fun. Um, Mm. And. You know, RPGs is what I know, so yeah, here yeah. we are. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got to say, I'm already invested. I mean, obviously deeply saddened that my personal favorites codes have gone out, but <laughs> I suppose I could be persuaded to go and see some more. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have a tough off-season, those kobolds, but rumor yeah. has it they've already made it back to the Warrens and are planning their uh, appearance for next season. Do they get to come back then, or are they dead? No, I, 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 we have had some fatalities between team members, but the yeah. teams themselves survive. Okay. I, I think my my current thought is that if we uh you know if we decide to do a season two and I think that's probably pretty likely mm-hmm. um that will probably level up the teams mm-hmm. and give them all some new powers and abilities right now they're all stock monsters from the Pathfinder bestiary yeah mm. so over the seasons we might advance them I'll, if I do that I'll probably release a PDF of all their mm. statistics so people can watch at home. And we'll we'll lay those out like uh, sports memorabilia books, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, like nice. oh, here's yeah. your team roster. <laughs> so oh, um, yeah, it could it, be fun. It's not it's not really feasible, but oh, a digital version of those like little sticker trading cards that you could do with like, yeah, <laughs> all the star players. <laughs> I, I you know with the you with the to. with the <laughs> advancement of print on demand, I could probably make that happen. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you can over at Dryfy. You can do packs of cards. They're really yeah, easy just, as well. They've got a thing uh, where you just upload the images, go. and they pretty much do the rest for you. It's quite clever. Yeah, I need to. I need to get art of all the characters. Right now, we're we're kind of we have we have art of all the team logos. Yeah, uh, but we haven't done art of all the characters yet. We need, uh, to, frankly, to be a bit more successful before we start ordering art for you know thirty mm. characters. That's a, that's a, so. Out of, of the investment. games that you've played so far, the matchup so far, what's been what's been the highlight? What's been the best moment for you? Um, I think for us, it's it's always kind of moments where all of a sudden the entire momentum shifts, where you think yeah. it's going one way and all of a sudden it's not. You know, a, a lot of that will hinge on critical hits. Yeah, uh, but sometimes it's a failed saving throw or um, just uh, a tactical maneuver where you're like, oh no, I'm short. Um, mm. I think I think for us the kind of one of the most interesting matches so far has been the Bramble Brawlers against the Bullman because they really mm. did come with strategies. Yeah. Um 
And uh, that really did play out just about pitch perfect Ooh. for the Bramble Brawlers, but it still ended up being a really rough match. Um, yeah. So it's just one of those things where it came down to the wire and it could have gone either way based on a die roll. Those are always really fun and really exciting. So, yeah, I mean, uh, for us, you know, it's all about uh, just kind of uh, having some fun and seeing which team comes out on top. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does so, yeah. sound, it sounds fun. Um, I mean, I've, I've watched the first one. Obviously, not at the time, because it was like 2 a.m. or something on oh, yeah, Sunday sure. morning or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they, just... it, we, we, we go live at 4 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch, mm. uh, which in UK is is like midnight. So yeah, that's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we got our revenge today, dragging you out of bed at 6 a.m. So oh, that is fair. Yeah. I, I, I feel better now. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. <laughs> Right, can we, can we talk a bit about Pathfinder then, if that's Absolutely. all right? So um, before we start doing that, I uh, I have a question here from one of our listeners. Yeah. So we'll quickly do that, and then we'll move cool. on to our questions. Yeah. Sure. So uh, Lucas, uh, Pal- uh, Lucas Palosari, I hope I've said your name right, Lucas, asks, if he could go back to when he started working on Pathfinder 2 with what he knows now, is there any specific insight he would bring back to it and that he would use as his launching off point this time compared to last time? Or would he still want to do everything the same way end up and end up with the same product? Ooh, interesting. Um, I, you know, uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition had a very long uh, design cycle. Mm. Um, grand mm. total, we spent two and a half years uh, yeah. creating mm. it. Um, between various playtest iterations and internal documents and then eventually getting to the public playtest and then moving that over to the final. So as a result, um, any game that exists for that period of time before it's final has a lot of kind of slow-moving alterations and changes, Mm. some of which were very early, some of which came later. Um, I honestly think there were some things that in the very early part of the design we decided, you know what, we're not going to touch that. That's too much of a kind of sacred cow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from Pathfinder first edition and therefore going all the way back to 3.5, um, we just were like, we don't want to change that. We don't want to touch it. But in retrospect, eh, we probably could have, and it, it wouldn't yeah. have hurt us too badly. Like uh, keeping ability scores that are basically meaningless except for what modifier they give you. Yeah. Um, we could have done away with that. I don't think, I don't think anybody would have minded that much. We we at the time thought when we first started and we decided to keep them, um, that they were something that everybody cared about. It was the language that everyone spoke. Yeah, and I still think it is important. But I still look at it and I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure anybody actually. You don't use the number for anything. You never roll against yeah, it in Pathfinder Second Edition. So modify, yeah, yeah. Why? Why are we keeping a number that's sole purpose is to derive another number? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the same kind of stuff, like you say. It's it's, it's tradition. Yeah. Um, I also think you know there were some things that we you know certainly tried to move forward on and make the game more modern. Uh, there are some things that we held off on that I think I was more reticent to add to the game in in its current state that if you asked me today i Mm. probably would have been like yes let's do more of that um pathfinder isn't a game that includes an awful lot of player agency in the narrative structure Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's just the gm talking to the players and the players responding as to what their character would do Mm -hmm. but they're not often asked to have agency in the story itself a lot of other more modern games include that as a kind of core mechanic and i Mm -hmm. wish we had worked 
more to bring a one little of those of that into, into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also just a variety of kind of things that I would probably still change based on evolving, you know, social morals and things like that, that I think we took good steps on, but we could have gone further. Yeah. Uh, you know, changing race to ancestry for us was a core tenant from very early on mm-hmm. that we, we kind of just didn't like how race sat in all of that. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't the right word. It didn't mean what we wanted it to mean. Yeah. And, and other other companies of, seem to be following in your footsteps there as well. So. Yeah. And you know, we weren't the first, um, by far on this, but we, we are one of the bigger ones that adopted it and said, yeah, we're done using that word. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't mean what we think it means oh, yeah. and can give a very wrong impression to yeah. folks. I mean, even, even Wizard of the Coast are kind of doing that at the moment, although they can't actually remove the word completely because it's physically yeah. in the currently current edition of the game. They're yeah, not we, really using it at the moment. They're, you know, and I think, yeah. And yeah, uh, in Level Up, we're not using it. And no. um, in my game, I don't, in What's Old is New, I don't use it. It's, it's, it's one of those things that um, is definitely disappearing. I mean, I... I Really, the word that everybody wants to use is species, but you know, yeah, it sounds a little. But it works for a sci-fi game, I think. It's not fantasy, yeah, yeah. which is why, mm. which is kind of why we settled on ancestry, and we like ancestry because mm. it infers this is where you come from. Mm. That's the yeah. only question we're asking: who were your parents, yeah. um, yeah. and and who were their parents, and who were their parents, mm. right? Mm. You know, um, and and it has a, a definitely more like lineage feel it's like this this is this is who you are um and and for us it's also part of kind of a structure that's like this is your ancestry this is what you were born as Mm. then comes your background that's what you were when you were young then comes your class so a b c and and it kind of narrates your character's journey it gives the character like sort of a uh, a vector in time yeah i mean experience yeah I, I think it works on an on an intellectual level. I think most mm. people, when they're design, deciding on a character, they actually pick class first. <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, but that said, you know, we, we built it that way so that it felt like you were kind of creating the character's backstory as you went along. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so sort of integrating into the character, which yeah. helps with immersion, but just... Yeah. So with the design yeah. of Pathfinder 2, if you mm. cast your mind back 15 years... How does the design process, your your personal role in the design process from what, edition one to edition two, what's the, what's the difference there? It's quite different, actually. So with Pathfinder first edition, you know, you said go back 15 years ago and you're, you're pretty close to when first edition started mm-hmm. um, because first edition started as just a pile of home rules for me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So um, at that time, you know, uh, third edition was winding down fourth edition had been announced Mm -hmm. and i was you know we were working on dragon and dungeon magazine had kind of wrapped up at that point in time and we were working on pathfinder the adventure path for Mm 3.5 but i'll be honest i wasn't really involved with that i had been put on everything else we were doing so i was doing modules and card decks and all kinds of little product products and as someone who loved game design it wasn't frankly, very satisfying work. Mm. Um, so I had been tinkering around with doing a redesign of 3.5. My thought was they're about to abandon this game. They can't revoke the OGL. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I will put out a revision to it on my own Mm -hmm. as just a PDF. And so when Paizo decided, you know what, we're not going to follow forth. We're going to do our own game. Mm -hmm. Uh, part of that was because I was like, Hey, I have half the game already written. Mm. Um, 
So mm. for first edition, I really was kind of the nucleus of that. Now, that said, obviously, there were tons of people at Paizo who had a hand in this game. Mm. Uh, it was by no means just me. Uh, but it did start kind of at home on my desktop, just typing up what rules I didn't like in 3.5 and figuring yeah. out how to fix them. So as first edition came together, I was kind of that central hub. Everything went through me. And, um, you know, I was busy rewriting large swaths of the game, running a giant playtest, And I didn't have a lot of staff members because everyone else was still making adventure paths and other stuff. So mm. it was, it was kind of just me. Uh, mm. now, like I said, tons of folks helped out and lended a hand here and there, but it wasn't their main job. They mm -hmm. would come help and then go back to do the thing they were doing. Yeah. So first edition was kind of put together on kind of a, a shoestring team where we just grabbed who we could for when we needed them. And then they would go back to their original job. Second yeah. edition was entirely different in that it was deliberative. Mm -hmm. We knew it was mm -hmm. coming. We yeah. made sure we had the staff necessary to make it happen. Um, my role in that was more of um, keeping Strategic. the vision, the yeah. the vision of the game, yeah. and making sure that everybody involved with writing and creating it was going in the same direction. As yeah. Me. Now I did a lot of design yeah. work, but you know we were a team of four, and I yeah. I did not write twenty five percent of the book. I wrote more like ten percent of the book. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. with everyone else having a bigger share because I was busy coordinating with them and other departments about what the game could be, what it needed to be, running play tests. Um, mm. trying to gather enough information to understand that the game, whether or not the game had the right feel that mm -hmm. I wanted for, uh, for not just the legacy of Pathfinder, but for what mm -hmm. I also felt was what we were trying to aim for in the market, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as the director of game design, my job is to kind of try and strategically analyze where Paizo puts its games in the market of games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time looking at other games to see. Yeah. what they're up to, what they're trying to do, what their strengths are. Mm. And this isn't about trying to undermine them. It's about making sure that our game has its own place. Yeah. There's only unique selling points and the blank yeah. design space uh, the, where you can uh, the, evolve. I yeah. mean, are, you could pretty arguably say that Pathfinder is trying to crowd into a very similar niche to D&D. &D. But with second edition, I really wanted to make sure that we had a niche of our own. Right. Mm. That 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 we weren't just trying to be the game that yeah. was very like D and D, but not. Um, yeah, instead, that's, we that's were trying to. Well, yeah, we were yeah. we were trying mm. to make sure that with second edition we had a niche that was ours. It, mm. We are a game that is there for you know the fantasy role players who want kind of a full meaningful expression of their character. Mm. If you mm. come up with a crazy backstory, we want the rules to say. Here is how that backstory is emblematic of your character. And not only that, mm. when you're fighting or when you're in combat, there are elements of that backstory that can come to the fore. Yeah. Oh, you were a mm -hmm. farmer when you were a kid. You know, um, you know, your 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 long days of backbreaking labor meant that you are skilled at, you know, athletics and things like mm -hmm. that. But when you left, you decided to become a wizard. Well, you're mm. a wizard who has athletics and is relatively good at it. Mm. And that means something. That's not oh. just a story thing you wrote. It, it actually is expressed in the mechanics of your, your character by the choices you made. Yeah. So when you sort of talk about positioning Pathfinder in the market, the way I see it, and um, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I, I think it's probably a reasonably common sort of view, is that it's kind of positioned as the sort of, I don't want to say advanced D&D, because that's not what I mean, but 
Um, it's a it's a slightly crunchier, slightly more complex version for people who kind of maybe would want to sort of graduate to a more in depth game while still playing the same kind of game. Is that fair to say? I think I think that's relatively fair. We we view it as a game for hobbyists, people mm. who have decided, you know what, they're not just going to sit down and dabble for a month or two and then move on to something else. If if you want to get deep into a game, if you want to dive deep into a mm. character or a story, mm. we're ter- trying to provide the game that gives you the options to do whatever you can imagine. Yeah. Um and that takes time. It it takes some time for us to build up enough options, but with the APG now, um we're getting there. Mm. Um but um, we, we do also want a game that has a bit more strategy mm-hmm. to it, I guess. And, and for me, in the design of it, it was all about understanding the, the push and pull between game complexity and options and tactical depth. Mm. Because you can, you can make a game very complex, but not have a lot of options. Mm. That's the opposite of what we wanted to do. Right. We wanted to mm. add complexity, but only enough to give us deep and meaningful options and customization. So mm. it was about adding choices, just yeah. enough complexity to the game to make mm. sure that we could have a robust system of saying, I am a dwarven barkeep druid. Yeah. How'd I get there? How'd that character come into mm. existence? Yeah. And, and that becomes an entire story. Yeah. Mm. And, each one of those choices, each decision that you make. And then, you know, you dig down beneath that and it's like, okay, well, what feats did I choose as a dwarf? Mm. What feats have I chosen for my class? What skills have I taken proficiency in? All of Mm. that meaningfully contributes to the story of that character Mm. in a way that allows you to say, this is who I am at the table and have everyone else at the table know that that means something, that 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 can contribute to their quest in different ways. Yeah. And and of course, we also do it on the flip side too, right? The, the GM side of the screen has a raft of incredibly deep rules and options to give them kind of the tools they want to tell the story that's in their head. Mm. And, you know, so that comes in, in, in a vast array of complex monsters. And I say complex, but what I mean is that they've got kind of tactical depth to them. Every monster has some weird special ability it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not just an armor class and attack bonus and a damage bonus. That's yeah. Yeah. that's not how we do things, right? So when you run into a skeleton and it pulls off its own head and throws it at you, mm-hmm. that's a thing that that skeleton can do. But the one right next to him might have a special ability that when you hit him, he can collapse into a pile of bones and then reassemble himself next yeah. round, right? Yeah. And and with those sorts of things, and that's two different skeletons that have basically the same stat block, but slightly mm. different abilities that mm. give them a slightly different feel. Um, but everything has that, right? You know, you mm. look at, and, and I'm just thinking back to mall monsters right now because they're fresh in my head. <laughs> but like the, the Minotaur, which is one of my favorite monsters for obvious reasons, mm. has an ability where if he's in a maze and you mm. can hear him but not see him, mm-hmm. he can spend an action to frighten you. And, and make you afraid as you can hear him snorting and clomping around the maze trying to hunt you. Mm. And it gives you a penalty on survival checks to figure out the maze because mm. you're panicking. Uh, and, and that's really emblematic of the monster. And we, we kind of want all of our monsters to be, they'll surprise you with something, but when they do, you'll go, oh yeah, I should have expected that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes perfect mm. sense for what that monster is. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's all about having kind of a rich, robust game system on both sides of the screen. 
Mm. So your Pathfinder release schedule, I mean, traditionally, it's always been a fairly aggressive release schedule. You come out with a lot of content, certainly compared to what, say, D&D's doing these days. Yeah. I think back in like two or three years ago, towards, probably towards the end of um, Pathfinder 1, um, you know, the amount of stuff that you were putting out on a monthly basis was a stock, was like comparable to what some companies put out in a year. Yeah. And it's not just the books either. It's the things that go with the books. It's, you know, maps and miniatures and uh, adventures. And, you know, you do, you do the whole, you know, full service suite of stuff that you need to run a game. So is that scheduled as like presumably a deliberate choice? You've decided that you're going to sort of make sure that you're continually bringing this material out on a constant basis. I, I think that for a game system to be vibrant and kind of alive, it needs pretty regular releases. Yeah. I, I don't think that means you need to put out as much as we do. Um, we kind of are trying to offer the full service boutique game experience mm. where if you want maps, if you want miniatures, if you want you know, a campaign setting. If you want adventurers to go in that campaign setting, if you want rule books, if you want character sheets, we have all of that available for yeah, you. Yeah. Funny enough, our release schedule was a reaction to like the 3.5 release schedule, which had a hardcover book coming out like once every other month. Yeah. And we were like, we are not doing that. Uh, so mm-hmm. instead we decided to do a soft cover once a month. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it, it ended up being very similar, but I, I think when we started, you know, especially with the core rulebook line, it was like, we're doing three books a year and that's it. Yeah. And that seemed at the time to be like, wow, you're going to put out that little content. And now funny enough, 10 years later, it's like, well, that still is a lot. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, it kind of is. It um, is it you is. know, the, the design team is now uh, continued to grow. We are now up to six individuals, myself included, mm. considering we designed second edition with only four. If you go back to before that, you know, first edition was designed with one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so how many people are working at Paizo at the moment then? What's the size we're of over the 70. Now? 70. Um, yeah, but that includes... Uh, warehouse and customer service and the tech team. And yeah, you know, there's lots of folks that go into making a game company. Chick. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I think our creative staff though is fully half, uh, if not a little more than half. So, so it's 30 to 40 people. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and you got, you got game designers, you got developers, you got editors, graphic designers, support staff. You mm. know, so how much design publisher. work do you get to do these days then? Are you, do you, uh, do, you so get, my, do you get to do a bit of manage a bit too much management? I, I personally, I find I do too much management and admin stuff, and not enough game design. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty true. Um, I spend a lot of time managing the process, yeah, and making sure that uh, you know we've laid out everything we need to lay out for the future. Yeah, um, so that can be kind of a lengthy, complex process. I do get to do game design, but I often do very, very early design work. Mm. So I'll help set a direction or an agenda, or I'll design some small key part of the game that I think is really important. Yeah. Um, but that's all I have time to do. Mm. And oftentimes the things I work on are so far in advance that I can't talk about them. So I have a thing I'm working on probably, well, not later on today. I have another stream today. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a, I have a thing I am working on right now, a mm. game, but, it's so far ahead it hasn't been announced and it'll leave my hands and go through a whole bunch of other people's hands before it even remotely gets to to all of you yeah um and you know 
Uh, I'm enjoying it, but I I can't talk about it. Yeah, so sure. <laughs> don't worry, we but, hear that. You know, we, we hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, right now all of us are focused on getting Secrets of Magic ready for the printer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of our our big task internally right now. And yeah. that book has been announced. We just finished the playtest, um, and that's kind of what the team is working on uh, pretty hard mm-hmm. right now. And mm-hmm. and I I kind of touch base with them and make sure everything's going smoothly. Yeah. Um, but you know. Uh, Logan Bonner is now uh, the lead designer of Pathfinder, and I, I trust him implicitly yeah, to make the yeah. right decisions for the game. Yeah. So um, I just touch base with him and make sure everything's going the way it needs to go, and then he has the tools and resources to make the game what it needs to be. Yeah. It's so like we talk campaign settings for a moment. So sure. um, obviously the core, the core world of uh, Pathfinder is Galarian. But you yeah, you sort of changed the branding on that Lost Omens. with yeah yes. with Pathfinder Two to Lost Omens. Can you talk yeah. a bit on sort of the thought process behind doing that? I, I think the big thought process there was that um, we actually had the the title Lost Omens or the World of Lost Omens, like in the game's very early inception. But we were mm-hmm. like, well, but what is that's not a name? It needs a name like yeah. Toril or you know. <laughs> yeah. And 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 what we came to realize is that Galarian, although it is a it is a good name, doesn't mean anything if you don't know what you're looking at already. So it's a it's a it's a name that's great for people who are already invested in your game. Mm, it's yeah. terrible for people outside of it, right? Um, yeah. Because they just they don't know what that means. So yeah. saying <laughs> this is the world of Lost Omens at least has an a, it evokes a kind mm. of world with with shrouded myth. And a, a world that is changing, and there is something kind of sinister about that name, yeah. right? The, the omens are lost. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean? That doesn't yeah. sound good. Um, so um, you know, it it's there really to provide kind of some some context uh, to folks who who maybe don't know what they're looking at yeah. and understand that you know because we can't we could never put Galarian as the title of a book, right? Yeah, because. Uh, that doesn't mean anything to, I know, to yeah, anyone yeah. Who, who's I suppose already it's why, you know, why, why, why we say Dragonlance and not Crit. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. it would have been a terrible guest Kickstarter game title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Galarian. Uh, I know. Well, it does yeah, it involve yeah. giants? It starts with a but G. <laughs> you can do something with that. You start pre-imagining it, and that sort of gives you yeah. conceptual hooks hanging stuff up. So, yeah, yeah. I... I like it. I remember it. Yeah. But you know, that's to be honest, that's not a bad game to play with yeah. any product that you're about to put out. If you give someone the name and they get nowhere close with five guesses, your name probably needs to change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you announced um, the African um, inspired section mm-hmm. of uh, Galarian Magambia, recently, yeah. which is coming yeah, out yeah, next yeah. next summer, is it? Next year? Yes, that's that's slated for 2021. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Dates. I don't have the calendar in front uh, of me. Were but, you involved uh, with that one at all? Or? Uh, no, not really. I, I, I think uh, the design team has some work to do to make sure that the rules that we're including in that book are, are a good match for the game and everything, but but ultimately, a lot of the the Lost Omens world design is done by uh, that team. Yeah, we we are generally divided up into teams, and world and lore heavy books like that are a very specific team. Sure. Who's, yeah. yeah, who are uh, uh, filled with some some great folks who are are laser focused on on our world and mm. what goes in it. So, is there any chance of other 
settings coming from Paizo. I mean, obviously you've got Starfinder, but I mean, for, for Pathfinder yeah. specifically. You know, I think we've talked about it, but I don't really think it's on the horizon right now. Um, making Galarian happen takes so much work yeah. uh, that uh, I don't really think it's something that Paizo is going to be doing. Uh, obviously, other third-party folks you know, have built have some worlds many, for us. Yeah, I, yeah. I myself am in the process of slowly cobbling together a world, but it's really slow going. Mm. But that's just for my own kind of fun and edification. Yeah. Um, kind of doing through Patreon, but I've never charged anyone. So yeah. <laughs> it's the Patreon that doesn't cost you anything. Oh, that's the best of the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't get anything either. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's both the best and worst Patreon ever. No, it's, it's called Eventide, and it's a, a world I designed kind of for second edition. I just mm. haven't had the time to finish it. Yeah. So. The life of a busy, busy game designer slash producer slash manager slash creative head. <laughs> Yeah, and I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, live stream games, and you know, last year saw me with Geek and Sundry uh, doing some games with them. Mm. Uh, this year, because of the pandemic, all of our plans kind of went down the toilet. Uh, yeah, but uh, instead, you know, we've been doing Band of Bravos. In fact, that's the other game I'm running later on today. Mm. Um, you know, Ooh. so we 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 still get our games out there, and I I tend to be the the person running those. So yeah. So I think I mentioned, I mentioned earlier that one of my favorite bits about um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is the three-action economy. I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Have you got any thoughts on your, you know, have you got any personal, and you can't you can't take three-action economy? Like, no, no, no. I, 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 I know what my second answer is, though, because it actually goes... Oh, it, oh, can, I, can I have bulk? You have to bulk. Sure, yeah. I, I know, well, I know. It sounds really stupid, but it's like the best income system I've ever you, seen. You so. should definitely check out the errata for it, uh, because mm, we made it so that backpacks help you with bulk as opposed to just hold bulk. They actually help. Yes. So, um, yeah, cause that's why you would wear one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, um, for me, because it goes mm-hmm. so, uh, there are kind of a number of tent pole rules in the system that mm-hmm. make Pathfinder second edition, what it is. And three action economy is one of them. Yeah. Another one of them is the proficiency system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which yeah. is a unified way of assessing anyone's ability at a thing. So if I say you're yeah. an expert at this, that means it's your level plus four and it doesn't matter what character I'm talking about, what no. thing I'm talking about. It's like, yeah. oh, am I talking about your armor class? Great. You're an expert at wearing leather armor. That yeah. means it's your level plus four plus 10 plus the armor bonus, mm-hmm. right? Oh, am I talking yeah. about your acrobatics? It's your level plus four plus your decks, right? You know, yeah. it, it, it kind of unifies the core mechanic. Yeah. And then the third tent pull in that is the four degrees of success. And this is the other thing that oh, is my yeah, favorite. Does, yeah. Um, yeah. Critical success, success, failure, critical failure. And having those be separated by bands of 10 yes, means that... Yes, so I, I was about we, to mention that, yeah. We, yeah. Which means that, A, it's easy to do at the table. Oh, you needed mm-hmm. a 22 and you got a 32. That's a crit. Mm-hmm. You needed a 12 and you got a, a, a 2. That's a crit failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes it really easy to determine at the table. But what mm-hmm. it allowed us to do was to keep a lot of the really cool evocative spells that are like, mm-hmm. yep, this spell, if it hits you, you could die. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. you have to critically fail to die. Which means you need to not only just have a poor dice roll, you need to have an incredibly poor dice yeah, roll. Yeah, yeah. And something you're bad at. Yeah. Yeah, or be, or it's something that you're actually not good at. Um, mm-hmm. It also allowed us to have characters that can take multiple attacks per round at first level um, mm. because the, the penalty stacks to the point where you're mm. failing and crit failing. 
which, you know, crit fail on an attack roll doesn't necessarily come with a drawback, but it does kind of change the metric. Like Mm. at high levels, we expect fighters to probably crit on their first hit, Mm. hit on their second hit and maybe hit or fail on their third. Mm. If they're just standing there swinging, Mm. it allowed us to do different things with the math of the game. Yeah. Um, Mm. that, meant that we didn't have to give away huge bonuses like, you know, from spells and magic items and stuff. We could keep things pretty tight and controlled, but a plus one makes a much bigger difference than it did before. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not just a bonus to hit, it's also a bonus to crit Mm -hmm. and a bonus to avoid crit failing. So for me, that is kind of really at the heart of the system and its kind of narrative drive because it does mean that there is automatically within all things... There is, you did super well, you did good, you did bad, you did really poorly. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. It's it's more than just pass-fail. Yeah, I think there's some things like, just thinking about armor class, because I'm playing a champion character, I'm like, well, I've got an armor class 23, people keep hitting me, yeah. this would be virtually impossible in 5th edition. But yeah. I'm like, oh, actually, actually, it's not too bad, because I still feel like combat has a danger to me. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not being critted. That is pretty much not going to happen. Exactly. And having the source would be there, like saying, "Wow, yeah, that that's a lot of damage." And I'm glad. I'm glad that one hit, hit me because that would have crit me. The crit damage would have wiped me out because we're playing yeah. roll twenty, so we can yeah. see both sets of damage, and that's really driving it home. So that, that's pretty and, neat. And that's like and that's exactly it. Is that a a, mm. a difference of three or four to your armor classes mm. means that both of you can still get hit. But the sorcerer is going to get crit more often, mm. and mm. the paladin is almost never going to get crit. Yeah, right. Mm. And and that means that the the hit point difference doesn't need to be as big to make it as meaningful. And mm. so it all just works better. Um, and it's not something that's immediately obvious when you just look at the system. It's a play thing. You don't mm. you don't see it until you're at the table and you actually see how the numbers play out. So it's really easy to look mm. at them and be like, I don't know what the big deal is between these two mm. characters. The big deal is that, you know, mm. if if you have a 23 and the sorcerer has a 19 and mm. you're being attacked by somebody with a bonus of, uh, you know, 12, the mm. sorcerer can be crit on a, you know... Pretty much. Say, yeah. on, on a yeah. 9, right? Or a 7? <laughs> yeah. uh, or Probably hit on a 7, me. crit on a 17. The Whoa. paladin can't be crit unless it's a 20. Mm. So... Mm. It's a big difference. Yeah, four times like, more likely. Which I personally am enjoying, like I so, yeah. yeah. Shield up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I, I also, I, I also like the whole shield up thing, thing because it, I like the way you sort of what was a passive thing on your character sheet, mm. where basically yeah. if you have a, a, a shield, you put plus one AC on your character sheet and then you just forget about it. It's just, yeah. it's just part of a number. It's done. Whereas the shield is now something you're doing. It's an active thing mm. rather than a passive thing. Yeah. I really like that about it. Well, and you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say there, the moment we did this, we got a whole bunch of people who are like, well, I've, I've fought with shields before I'm in, you know, SCA and that's not how it works. And I'm like, it's not about, it's, yeah, yeah. it's about understanding that, um, using a shield should come at a cost. And if the cost yeah. is your attack at a minus 10, mm-hmm. it's a better tactical option to use a shield. It gives the shield more weight because what you're giving mm-hmm. up for it is, an almost impossible chance to hit, Um, you know, or do you want to be the character, you know, that is more mobile and about moving around the battlefield, in which case Mm -hmm. you're going to use that third action to move and Mm -hmm. not raise your shield. It creates Mm -hmm. different play styles. It gives you choices. Yeah. And, and that's what it's about. It's the combat is simple. You have three actions. Mm -hmm. 
what you do with those three actions, that's what defines kind yeah, of how yeah. your character participates in the game. And each mm-hmm. character brings their own unique blend of actions, but you only have to worry about yours. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't have to worry about everybody else's, which is why the yeah. game is tactically robust, but actually mechanically yeah. relatively simple. Yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've been saying the difference between my character and Russ's character. He's playing like a dex-based fighter, or was it actually Thief. a rogue? Thief. 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 Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and yeah, it's... It's definitely been a lot more different than I'd expect. There's a lot more moving around about the opportunity attacks, which yeah. I have to say I I personally enjoy. I like the being able to move around. Mm. I, I, I love when someone does finally run into a monster that does have an, atop, oppor- an attack of opportunity. They're like, <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a find a wordy monster. No. It's 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 kind of better that way. It, it says yeah. that this monster was trained in combat, mm. and you can't get away from them by just moving. Yeah. Right? They're mm-hmm. they're going to take free swipes at you. Uh, you know, a lot of monsters have weird reactions yeah. to when you mm. do things around them, and I think that adds an interesting spice. Like I said mm. earlier, one of the things we want when you're fighting a monster is it to use a special ability against you and have you go, "Oh, I should have known that it would have had something like mm. that." It makes perfect sense, but you don't know going in. Mm. Uh, which makes combat kind of fun and unexpected. Yeah. 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 Also, mystery fresh, which is important. I also noticed you've yeah. got some renamings of monsters and things like that, which I, which is providing a little bit of that mystery back to me that I had when I first started. Cause you know, you know, every <laughs> single monster that's in the, yeah. in the monster manual or the best or whatever. Um, it, it's, it's nice to run across some fresh things that I don't know everything about. Yeah. Well, yeah. and with them all being new for the new edition, you don't know, you know, you, who knows what they can yeah, do. Exactly. The fact that yeah. the fact that a white dragon can slam its, you know, tail into the ice and create or flap its wings and create kind of an ice storm mm. um, is not something you would expect necessarily yeah. Yeah. from, you know. But just it sounds like flavor text, but you've actually got a mechanical But we, we, we wrote rules for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we <laughs> so we need to wind up. Um, it's been a real pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, in. yeah. Yeah, this has been a delight. I've been I've been oh, only half awake, but I've had a good time. I told you I told you it was more fun than it sounded. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. Next week on the show, we will have Eugenio Vargas, the GM for Into the Motherlands. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Wolves. And it's goodbye from me, Jason Bullman, the director of game design at Paizo. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Because I have the old Aliens RPG. It's like within arm's reach. It's it's Mm. ridiculously overcomplicated and delightfully deadly. I have seen that, yeah. Yeah. Mm.
It had this incredibly robust system for determining how your Marine got advancements and rank mm-hmm. promotions. And the moment you played the game, if you got based by a, a, a Xenomorph, you were done. It would yes. rip you to pieces. <laughs> and it was like, why is there such a complicated system for determining what my rank is, only for me to die literally in three seconds? 